Welcome to episode 15 of Talking Impact Investing, a podcast about impact investing, ESG factors, and sustainability. I'm your host, Matej Sushets. This episode features a conversation with Anut Sharma, a CEO and founder of Alcicer Impact. Alcicer Impact is South Asia's first impact investing and social enterprise-focused transactory advisory firm. They're currently present in 18 countries and have a stellar experience with startup incubation, advisory, and making a major impact on a global scale. In this episode, we talk about the outlook of impact investing in India, the fascinating success story of LCSR Impact, and the geographical differences and local biodiversities affecting impact investing. All that and more coming up right now. Let's dive right in. Anuj, I'm glad to have you on the show. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for hosting me here, Matic. Absolutely. And Anuj, you're somebody that I greatly admire. Your story, life story is amazing uh, from where you came, what you had to overcome. And I really admire you for that. And I would be selling our listeners short if I told this story. So I'm going to ask you to to tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you come from um, and how you got involved with impact investing. So uh, to trace uh, what I'm doing today, like maybe we have to kind of uh, go back a couple of decades before. So I was a sloppy student all my life. I was trying to figure out how to pass a single exam. And in in, in the South Asia, if you see, uh, education is one of the main way of you to come out of your poverty. And my uh, middle class background was making me kind of not get into that leap of faith. And uh, in, in that whole resource constraint uh, environment, I was not able to get a tutor to get me taught certain things and so on and so forth. And I was continuously failing in most of my exams, which I was giving in. And in that time, I tried doing engineering. I tried doing medicals. I tried doing defense. I tried doing design. Whatever I was trying to do it, management, everywhere I was trying to fail in. And I was like very confused, like, is there any kind of hope for me? And that's where like I was when I was at a very low point. I also got contacted with tuberculosis at the time. And uh, that was a, a moment when I felt like this is like something which is like completely taking me out, like in, in terms of uh, if we kind of call about ourselves, like the low point of your life or depression or something like that. But one of my friends said, maybe it is good for you to change the place where you stay and try to explore something more important in terms of finding a kind of a more cohesive ecosystem. And that's where like I moved to a city called Mumbai, which is uh, one of the South Asia's uh, biggest financial capital. And uh, there I was. And at that time, I had some relatives, which I may have like chosen to live with. But I thought like, since I can't earn too much, so I stayed in a slum for three and a half years. And slums in Mumbai are like pretty crazy, uh, dingy places. If I put it like this, where you can't actually even access a restroom properly. You need to have a waiting period of 30 minutes to one hour to even get access to a restroom. And that kind of set the tone of what I am today, like uh, that uh, experience in slum where in spite of poverty, people were very, very accommodating. People were very enthusiastic to help you. They were also very enterprising in their own manner. And that kind of thing kind of made me believe that this is something which is feasible. But at the same time, at that uh, specific stage of my life, I felt like money is very important. And I kept on like chasing some kind of big dreams and suddenly Within a short span of time, I was, I'd worked in 15 different countries. I was charging early dollar rates and it was racks to riches story. And I was able to uh, access some charter planes and so on and so forth. And there I was like, I again felt confused, like what I'm kind of, 
achieving out of this like i am in a place which like i was in dubai i was in new york i was in london like all pretty great places but i was not feeling satisfied and that was a recurring moment when i kind of got a chance occurrence of working for a microfinance entity i'm talking year 2007 and uh, i went on the field uh, reluctantly and there i felt like women were just giving back the loan just because they have given a or taken a oath that hey look i want to give the money back and it was such a great experience it took a year at that time i i went to harvard for a small management course i went to ludlow school for entrepreneurship uh, related short course as well and few other academia as well and i understood like if i have to kind of shape my life there is a very amazing ecosystem which is there and that's what impact investing and social enterprise kind of uh, i kind of got attracted with and i came back to mumbai leaving everything i did not had a plan b and that's how the uh, journey of uh, uh, my uh, ecosystem in terms of uh, impact investing started out yeah thank you so much for sharing that with us moving on um you've established the south asia's first investing and social enterprise focused transaction advisory firm which is called alsisar impact and if i'm correct it's named after your father's village uh to honor him but yeah. uh you guys have established uh, a, a successful track record we forged with over 600 social enterprise with over 60 impact investors private equity and vc funds and you guys work on 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 the investor side as well as on the startup side Can you tell us a little bit more of what exactly is that you guys do and what are some of the areas you guys focus on? Yes. So when we started in year 2008 when I came back to India like uh, it was like impact investing was just starting globally like uh, the global north if you put like this uh, US and Europe are just warming up with respect to impact investing and social enterprise movement and for the benefit of the audience if I put it like this uh, social enterprise is kind of a, a enterprise for profit with a purpose so you you are sustainable at the same time you are earning certain amount of money at the same time you are doing social good to people and it's a very great confluence of different uh, like thought processes and also the way we can go forward in terms of businesses so in this what we have done is first of all we were advising huge amount of globally north uh, situated impact funds development financial institutions and international foundations which were looking for alternate way of assisting ecosystem of social enterprises so the initial path was all grant uh, focused and they felt like grant was still falling short because you give the money and then it finished but what if they use this as a little bit of a different structure which is equity or it could be a quasi refundable grant which could be rotated to somebody else and that's where this impact investing thing people like us kind of converged in and uh, we are very proud that we galvanize close to a billion dollar in this ecosystem and we are like market leaders in galvanizing this whole uh, thing and also today when we see this ecosystem in south asia we have a very important role uh, but we were always the the kind of the under the radar kind of people who were connecting different sides so as as we steve jobs said connecting the dots so one side is impact for investors one side is social enterprise who will going to connect so we were the catalyst and that catalyst role allowed us to have a very amazing ground level intelligence as well and to 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 uh, the audience it's surprise i will say impact funds were not going on the ground majority times we were there on the ground giving them even the business diligence side so it was not just the finance or legal or regulatory we were also doing business intelligence which technically a fund manager do it but because this was such a new area and also the geographies were very tough majority of time we have to go and do the assessment and tell the funds hey look it is a good opportunity for you to invest 
and majority time they actually gain out of it and they got very good returns so that's one of the thing but at the same time we also kind of shifted our gear to get into a further more aggressive way of understanding and also furthering this uh, cause by getting into a conflict and frontier market uh, incubation program as well which we started 3 years back and that is all the learning we got for the past 13 odd years and that's where we are going and kind of working in areas which are very very uh, challenging at the same time the entrepreneurs could be anywhere like uh, it could be in a new york it could be in mumbai it could be in bangkok it could be in sydney but the difference which kind of comes is the ecosystem if you have ecosystem of bankers you have ecosystem of funders you have uh, ecosystem of advisors you have ecosystem of market linkages you make the entrepreneurs succeed to the level which we can have and that's what we are bringing to them and a couple of examples if i say which could be of interest is like we are working in world's highest biggest and highest militarized zone called kashmir half a million military people are there in a like like crammed in a very small place and they have not seen the new age startup at all so recently uh, like uh, two years back we started working with them and the good news is that uh, there is a startup which has raised funding and they were covered not just in india but they were covered extensively in europe and us as well so it is kind of giving a very good hope to these types of uh, amazing people as well because they have seen an insurgency some people bracket them as terrorists some people bracket them in some other ways but at the same time they are just like youngsters like us or they may be some kind of enterprising people who want to be sustainable so why not we flip the uh, kind of narrative and get them into inclusive society as well the same way there is another geography which is in the northeast and they had been marked as a official disturbed area for the last 50 60 years and there is no ecosystem of entrepreneurship again and there also we kind of uh, supported a education company amazingly edutech company and the founders are actually have studied outside india one is from nus uh, singapore one is a melbourne university professor and both of them decided to come back and brave people and uh, and and start this education company and people like us can enable it we had been working with impact funds we have been also working with huge amount of ecosystem related things so that kind of a positive energy we are bringing in there and same thing we are now converging into other newer geographies like bhutan Myanmar, where uh, people are thinking that after the regime change, entrepreneurship should die. No, it should. It is more relevant today. And even in the war, like we are talking about Russia, Ukraine, and others. If you see, we everybody uh, want to have a dignified way to live. And if we give them the right tools, they will be the best, amazing people to give back to the society in a good way as well. Absolutely, and thank you for sharing that. When it comes to my mind you mentioned earlier how important the education in, in India for example is you mentioned some of the geographical differences um, and i imagine there are some differences in business as well what are some of the differences you've noticed in regards to investing as well as to um scaling startups um in that area compared to for example the US so i will say us is a very unique uh, like i will say country like and in that also like if i say west coast and east coast are more prominent not the midwest uh, where people are rewarded for taking a risk and this is a very amazing way of seeing how the entrepreneurship could be nurtured and we have seen the great result like the best of the uh, startups if we see are coming out from west coast and east coast so if you uh, go to global uh, like uh, southeast asia or south asia there is a huge amount of emphasis on education and risk averseness as well to a certain extent and people are very much comfortable if they are into the cultural ecosystem where they know people 
and they would like to trust uh, with some kind of a connect and also go with some kind of a uh, level of uh, like repo that they have, which they build over time. They don't want to take a risk for the sake of risk. And that kind of thing also emanates from that. I want to do a formal education. After that, I want to get into government jobs. I want to get into a corporate job. And that is the trajectory which most of the like middle class or poor uh, household has. But today, when we look back, because of the great ecosystem, I will say prevailed in US and they were great success stories like Steve Jobs, like Elon Musk and various others, like they are good or bad, whatever is there. But they are the real, I will say, inspirations today for lots of youngsters around. So people are actually denouncing their educational placements today, like best of the universities in, 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 uh, in South Asia. The youngsters are not wanting to opt for a job. They are wanting to try a startup. But in that whole thing, one of the important things which I would like to highlight here is that the access to capital is still very, very less. And also the ecosystem is still not very healthy. So uh, there is a shortage of advisors. There's a shortage of people who can catalyze this ecosystem. And also the way the funding could be galvanized. So uh, many a times what happens, you copy paste certain terms which are coming in US and, and you just want to kind of structure this thing in South Asia. But sometimes the regulations are very difficult or the people have a different sensibility. So can we change the uh, uh, legal languages and various other things to kind of also have the cultural uh, balances of the ecosystem coming in? That's still lacking. And uh, But at the same time, I will say there's a great amount of hope and positive energies which are built. Definitely. And moving on, there is also perhaps a difference uh, in the whole process of capital raising for startups, for social enterprises. Um, if we look at India, for example, and again, going back to the U.S., can you also touch on this a little bit more? Yes. So here, like if you uh, see, uh, because I'd worked in the U.S. as well. So uh, there uh, we have a very amazing safe note structure. Like uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to start. There's a safe note structure. I am not obligated. Even if I fail, I'm not kind of marketed as failure. But in South Asia, if I get into it, failure is a very bad word. Like if I fail, like I like as a society, uh, they don't take it lightly. And that is something which has to change. That's one. Second is the way the access to capital, if you put like this, this is a very less capital available. And that too for certain type of entrepreneurs. So if I'm an entrepreneur who has studied in, let's say, US, and let's say Indian or Nepali or Pakistani, I've studied in US and came back. I have a far more higher chances of raising money than a local entrepreneur who may be equally be good. That's one. Second, there is also a kind of a bias with respect to if I'm coming out from a very premier education institution, I have still have access to certain uh, financing modes and also for investors. But as we are kind of graduating into as a society, things are changing. And that change is always like a little bit of painful as well. So if you talk about, let's say, India as a whole, like I will put it like this. We have 1.4 billion population. However, the startup funding just... 90 more than 90 percent gets confined in just five cities in India. That's it. And majority of the city uh, country just don't get any sort of funding. So we need to change that paradigm as well. And many people say, hey, look, India is getting like one of the highest foreign direct investment. But it's not for India. It's just five cities. So we need to kind of also de-risk as an investor that if I'm putting money only in certain type of people, certain geography, it is a risk. I need to diversify as well. And the same way, it is also like this that nearby countries of India, like uh, Nepal, Bhutan, uh, Pakistan, uh, and Myanmar, others, they are also equally good. 
and people like us are, we have experience of working in these geographies so we see that they are still not got that kind of access to finance and capital so we need to also find a way where investors are slightly more proactive in terms of reaching out to these geographies yes and on the same note i've read that um especially in the US, the companies tend to use the impact investing or the aspect of sustainability as a greenwashing. Uh, they use it as a PR sometimes um, just to benefit their own selves. Um, after doing some additional research, I found that, that this is not necessarily the case in the South Asia. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how companies as well as investors perceive impact investing? What is the, the general um, consensus on that? Yeah. So uh, in this, like, I will, I will be a little bit more transparent and also honest here. Like, impact investing is still, like, I will say, has its own gray shades as well, uh, where greenwashing is prevalent. I will not say it is not there. It is definitely there. Uh, and and uh, lots of funds use this as a PR tactics to raise funds. That hey, look, I'm 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 active in impact investing, so I can get actually easy access to pension funds and various others, a cheap fund if I put like this, and I deploy in entities which, anyways, I still uh, pressurize them to get profits. The returns are equally uh, like uh, the ambitious. So here uh, there are uh, there is a kind of a conundrum where one side there are actually genuine impact investors are there who are having a patient capital approach, and the other side the impact funds which are actually commercial in nature. So we we need to identify and also kind of uh, kind of get more awareness to the general public at large that there needs to be a very clear understanding. If I'm talking about impact investor as a term, I need to be defined with respect to not not just ESG or SDG reporting, but it is also about the patient capital. If I still talk about 25%, 30% IRR per year, and I want double digit returns every time then I'm talking something different. Then it is not patient capital. It's as good as like getting from any any mainstream investors. So that still is not very transparent. But as as we say, like uh, as an ecosystem, there's a huge amount of awareness which is coming in. And in that, like I will say, one of the uh, prominent uh, geography which is kind of uh, getting this whole thing is Europe. And uh, European funds, when they are coming into uh, geographies like South Asia, they are very... Uh, specific and particular about uh, impact as well. So there is a kind of differentiation coming in. At the same time, there is one more thing which I should definitely say is US big foundations have played a very uh, different role in terms of catalyzing things. So they have not just given equity, but they have also given grants. So sometimes the cause is strengthened if you have a catalytical capital, which is not just an, a kind of a participation as a pure play equity, but it is also coming as a grant so that you can strengthen the early stage entrepreneur to a level there where they can withstand the rigor of a private equity or VC fund. Thank you for uh, sharing your insights on that topic. Uh, this was great. When we started talking today, you mentioned that you're currently located in Himalaya, in the mountains. Do you mind telling us more about what, what kind of project you're working on there? Yes. So uh, as, as I said, like we, we are very much keenly uh, supporting this uh, conflict and frontier market uh, incubation. So here, uh, one of the important things that we have is we have to be on the ground, uh, be with the entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs who have never seen a, a new age kind of startup movement, they, they, you will not find. So majority of time, what happens is like in Himalayas, if you see across and not just India as a country, but Nepal is there, Bhutan is there. There's a part of Pakistan and uh, Myanmar as well. Uh, here, uh, the population is very less. At the same time, it is the third pole. 
if arctic is one pole antarctica is a second pole then himalaya is actually the third pole so whether it is from the climate change angle if you put it like this and also in terms of biodiversity it is one of the most biodiverse uh, ecosystem in the world and in that when we talk about if the local entrepreneurs are supported they know the positives and negatives about the ecosystem however what happens is because there were not many jobs in this area and also uh, the way the ecosystem was not available in terms of education others mass migration was the norm and we want to change that by empowering the local people and making them entrepreneur and also making a lighthouse entrepreneurs if i put it like this and that is where we are very passionate in a way that we identify a very high potential entrepreneur and we sit with them so i had been sit uh, like i had already spent more than a month here i'm again came and i'm spending another a month here to kind of not just uh, be with the entrepreneur but also grooming their team members and also galvanizing their partners their other uh, uh, ecosystem players as well to make them believe that hey look this is possible you need not to like watch in a movie that steve jobs was there in uh, in in west coast in us there could be steve jobs on your side as well it may be the scale may not be the same but still you can at least give jobs to 100 people which is a very very big thing here today if i can get the my mass migration stopped in some way it's a very big win and second is like these people are very sensitive about their local ecology they know that a cutting of tree is bad so and also the kind of uh, indigenous way of cooking food indigenous way of how to take care of their farmland so i'm also learning like i am when i say i means my team members we all are learning how these indigenous ways are kind of kept in so we are also learning in the process so while we are helping them in terms of investing uh, uh, like knowledge and also how to have the enterprise building capabilities but at the same time they are also giving us very good uh, life lessons if i put like this so in the morning typically i am doing some kind of a small farming then i go for a small walk with them in terms of uh, meeting some kind of other uh, like uh, farmers in this vicinity uh, which are doing some kind of other things there is a mushroom farmer which is there completely organic and also just to kind of give a sense this is one of the first state across south asia which is fully organic everything is organic here there's no pesticide or fertilizer which is used so it is a very different kind of ecosystem which is there and uh, in that whole thing like you can only experience it by coming on the ground thank you so much for sharing that insight and it's definitely very interesting to hear of how you're actually creating the impact and how you're actually seeing what you're doing by being there by helping those people and how you're in this at the same uh, process learning as well this leads us to our last question for today what do you see for the future of impact investing uh globally uh and also uh, the purpose of alcisar impact and uh what do you have um, in mind for the next uh, couple of years yeah so uh, for impact investing to be relevant uh, we need to be very clear about supporting early stage entrepreneurs if we don't support grassroots entrepreneurs and scale them to a level where they could empower themselves we are doing something wrong that's one second impact investing is all about a community feeling as well so yes we definitely need to have return and we are going to get return but at the same time we need to be accepting that there is a way of uh, having a cohesive uh, approach towards impact investing where we need to first of all strengthen the grassroots then take them to sme and then them take them to the larger uh, ecosystem and in that there needs to be a gradual uh, shift towards 
uh, understanding and also evolving in terms of definition. So impact investing needs to have a little bit more standardized definitions, which is easy to understand. Like just to give a sense, like World Bank came up with a, a definition that women uh, organizations, if I want to call, they need to have a definition that at least 30% needs to be, uh, the holding should be of women. There needs to be at least a majority, one third should be women directors, or there should be a women, which is the beneficiary. People misuse it. So in microfinance, if I put it like this, majority of microfinance, big entities are run by men, but they say, hey, look, all the women are, are beneficiaries. So we are women-led. It is not, it is, it is a sham. Uh, that's a kind of green sham. So we need to be very clear about articulating the processes, which is coming in and also implementing on the ground. So uh, rather than talking about it, uh, a kind of a, uh, a very high, like I've said, uh, like uh, situated in the sky and then looking into the uh, ground, we should come on the ground and also experience how this whole uh, uh, like, uh, changes in culture, which is there, like the very important question which you asked earlier. Let's say I'm in Amazon uh, rainforest and if I want to help entrepreneur, unless I don't go there and experience that, uh, exp uh, like, uh, that enterprise, if I'm investing just by sitting and let's say in London, then I'm doing something wrong. I need to find a way to at least connect with these entrepreneurs as well. And then if I see uh, at a larger level as a future, there'll be only two types of enterprises. Either they are social or they are anti-social. So uh, that's a great uh, thing that we talk about it. And also, uh, as as see, sir, if I put it like this, what we are not wanting to be a multi-billion dollar, that's not the idea, but we need to be very relevant. And for me, this is a message for myself, if I put it like this, that I wanted to come back. I want to go back to my roots. That's the way I started out this whole thing, not to uh, kind of say and thumping my chest that I want to be the biggest. That's not the idea. The idea is to talk about how we can forge partnerships, how we can collaborate together in different geographies and also have a meaningful life together. When we, uh, let's say, I'm, I'm trying to take a tall, a talk about something more relevant is if I die, I need to be, when I look back, when I'm dying, I, I should feel that I had a meaningful life. And to do that, we need to also do more meaningful work together. And people like us all, like I've worked in 15 countries. Uh, if I can share my knowledge to these local people, at the same time, these local people have such an amazing indigenous ways of making me learn certain things. That's a butter we need to have. And we all can exist. Anuj, thank you so much for your time and joining us on Talking Impact Investing Podcast. Uh, this has been a pleasure for me to hear more about your story to learn about what you're doing, what's your perspective, your experiences in impact investing around the world uh, and, and amongst other stuff we, did, we discussed today. So once again, thank you so much. My pleasure. And just as a last note, I should say, impact investing in long term, if you see, is actually having the same returns in terms of uh, actual capital returns like a mainstream return. It's not different. And that's an empirical study which has been actually done by McKinsey and various others. It's not different. So why not we adopt more sustainable way of investing as well? Thank you for staying with us until the very end. You can stay up to date with the upcoming episodes by subscribing. And if you found any useful information, feel free to leave a five-star review and follow Talking Impact Investing Podcast on social media.